I'm in debt. I have two car payments, four years into a 30-year mortgage, balances on a couple credit cards, plus college for three kids on the horizon, zero savings. I work long hours at a job that I hate, and despite all that, all I get is stress about how I can make more money. I take four pills at night for my back pain. Some days, getting up seems like too much. I struggle with dyslexia. I have high cholesterol. I overeat a little too often. I'm trying to get in shape, but it's never, I mean never enough. My dad died five years ago from cancer. I should have seen him more before he passed. Man, I miss him so much. Everyone expects me to be over it, but it's something that I still deal with daily. I haven't taken my wife on a date in four months. I practically forgot our anniversary. My kids need me when I get home, but it's late. I want to sleep. I spend my weekends at their functions, as if that's enough. All this, and I still resent my family. Because I have no time just for me! I can be amazingly selfish. I'm often angry, seemingly, for no reason. I struggle with lustful thoughts, none of which my wife understands. Nor do I, for that matter. I'm good at some things, I'm great at nothing. I had dreams for my work and my family, and I abandoned them long ago. I think I'm a realist, and I come off as a pessimist. I feel restless knowing something is missing. I have too many burdens. They're suffocating. And this is the weight I carry. Forgot to mention to you guys, uh, this week I was uh, two days in the border town in Mexico, uh, border with Arizona. And uh, w one of the things, the subject that I was teaching on in Mexico was, um, it, it was about spiritual and mental health. And uh, it, it's, it's stuff that uh, a lot of times we don't talk about a lot of that in our churches. And so many times my my brothers and sisters um, Christians are struggling with those things with um, you know spiritual and mental health and, and, and the emotions go up and down and, and a lot of times we have no control of our own emotions even though the Holy Spirit uh, one, of the, one of the expressions of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control so we, we are supposed to have self-control because the Holy Spirit has the power to give us that control in our lives. And, um, and a lot of times the adversities we experience have a lot to do with emotions, have a lot to do with uh, mental situations that we might go through in life. And, and one of the things that uh, it, it is interesting of the text we're going to look at today is that your adversity... And, 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 and I want you to listen well to this part because your adversity has the purpose to comfort others. A lot of times we don't understand why God, why does God allow me to go through this thing? Why does He, why can He not just, uh, you know, give this adversity to another person? Why me? The reason God allows you, one of the reasons, one of the purposes God allows you to go through adversity is because, because God wants to want you to take that adversity as a training moment. The adversity is a training moment that you go through so you can help others. But when we're going through adversity, 
the reality is that our main focus is on us. It's me, me, me. I am me. Poor me. I am the victim. And we have to get rid of that mentality because Second Corinthians chapter 1 says that the reason God allows you to go through adversity is so that you can learn, that you can have experience to be able to help others who are going through the same thing that you might go through or you are there to help others who are going through times of adversity and don't understand or don't have the maturity to understand that God has a, a very positive reason and purpose as why you are going through that adversity. So God allows you to go through that so that you understand, so that you are that you are strengthening in your life, in your spiritual walk with God, so that way you can help others when others go through the same thing. But we miss the point a lot of times as why, why God, why? It is amazing. We're, we are half of uh, in year 2023. I was amazed the other day when I'm like, when well, June already? During these six months, our faith has been tested. There are things that we are all doing that when our faith is being tested, a lot of times we feel like giving up. We feel like throwing the towel, a lot of frustration. So many things that, that, that has taken us by surprise in this first month of the, first six months of the year. Diseases, finances, solitude, emotional challenges, things that have tested our humanity, but also things, things that have tested our Christianity. It's not just our humanity that is tested when we're going through adversity, but it's also our Christianity that is tested through the trials and adversities of life. Despite of all that, I'm glad that you are here so we can jump into our fifth week in this series in adversity. And, and you know, uh, we began this series with the purpose of understanding this adversity. Because we don't understand adversity, that's the reason we take adversity the way we do. And most of the time, we don't take it in the right way. What is adversity? We answer that question. Adversity is the transformational process. God puts you in, God allows you to be in that transformational process for your own benefit. But when you benefit from that process, you're supposed to help others benefit from the process you're going through. So the process you're going through is supposed to be so you can help others, not yourself. The Bible said God is the one who's going to comfort you so you can comfort others. The main thing is that we need to take the focus out of us and put it in other people. When we're going through adversity, the worst thing we can do is to keep on looking to us, to inward. We need to start looking outside. The reason a lot of times when we're going through adversity that we get emotionally down, that we go depressed a lot of times, is because we're thinking so much about us, us, that we are not busy serving others. You, you want to get out of adversity? You want to get out of that mentality? Start serving others. So start getting busy. When you're not busy, then you have the time of the world to be able to think about things that are not positive in your life. We also talked about last week, where does adversity come from? 
A lot of times we said it comes from God. A lot of times it comes from just situations that you uh, face in life. But a lot of times it's because you make certain decisions that you should have not made. And we, look, we, we saw the life of Jonah last. Uh, we saw part of that um, last week. And uh, we also talk about the purposes of adversity. Uh, there are several purposes. God uses adversity so you can examine yourself. God knows exactly where we are. God knows where our heart is. We don't know. A lot of times we think we know, but we don't know. Our heart is deceiving. That's what Scripture says. Our heart deceives us. And a lot of times we don't know where we are, so God allows adversity so you can see where you really are. And God uses adversity also, we have said, to conquer our pride. A lot of times until God doesn't come and press you down, it's like two wrestlers. A lot of times you're wrestling with God. A lot of times you're wrestling with God and you think you know more than God and you think you know better than God. You know better His will than, than He does. And a lot of times God, God, God has to press you down so He can, he, he can have you top, top out. So that way you can give up and say, I give up, Lord. I give up. I put my pride to the side. You teach me. So a lot of times He allows adversities in our lives so He can conquer our pride. But one of the things we're going to look at today is that God uses adversities in our lives so that we can learn how to help others that at some point in their lives they will be going through the same or similar problems or adversities that we are going through. That is one of the things we have to focus ourselves in when we read 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And I'm going to ask you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 in your Bibles. If you don't have your Bibles with you today, uh, well, uh, open up your phones. If you don't have your phones, uh, praise God for that. That way it won't ring anymore. Uh, but if not, we have the verses over here on the screens. Um, so many things happen that are out of our control. And we have to learn to trust God. We have to learn to trust God when those things are out of our control. Um, and, and, and in those moments that things are out of our control, a lot of times we have to humble, humbly become, come before God and recognize in our hearts that a lot of times uh, there's something that is humanly, uh, that humanly speaking doesn't make a lot of sense. And what is that? That in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the adversities, you can find faith. In the midst of the adversities... Uh, you will be comfort. You will be. You will receive comfort by God. And in the midst of the adversity, you need to continue to bless the name of the Lord. Because in the need, in the midst of adversity, uh, our nature is to react in a different way. And we we also talked about that in uh, week number two. So as children of God. We, have all, we always have to prepare ourselves mentally, emotionally, physically, above all spiritually, because life storms and adversities will come whether we like it or not. But the main thing is that we need to understand why is God allowing this in my life? There are different reasons, but one of them, the main reason that we're going to look at today is so you can be trained to help others. To help others. And so... In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, when the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthian church, l let me tell you, Paul writes the first letter, and when he writes the first letter, the letter that they, they finally got, because there was one letter the Corinthians didn't get. Uh, so he wrote three letters to them, but only got two of them. 
And so when he writes the first letter, he writes the first letter and gets in their case for, for, for living a disorderly life as Christians. They were living, they were claiming to be Christians, but they were living life the way they, they just felt like it. You know, we're going to live life the way we want to. Uh, we don't really care what Paul or anybody said before. We're just going to continue to live life. So there, were, there was a big group of Christians in that church in Corinth that they wanted to do what it was their opinion to do. It was what was best for them to do. They didn't care that, you know, they were thought different than that. And so Paul gets on their case in the first letter. And he makes a lot of corrections in the first letter. And in the second letter, when Paul writes those first ten verses that he writes, he writes with, uh, with a, lot of, a lot of aching in his heart. His heart was hurt because of things that were going on. After Paul had corrected them, after Paul had teach them a lot. Um, you know, the, 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 oh, there were people that were just waiting for Paul not to be there. When Paul left the, the, Corinth, uh, the, the area of Corinth, uh, you know, there were people who came into the church and began talking negative about Paul. And so Paul was hurting. Paul was hurting, and in the midst of that hurting, Paul doesn't focus on that hurting for his own benefit. But he's coming to them in a second letter, and he's teaching them, you know, this adversity, these problems that I'm going through, have a specific purpose. The reason God allows me to go through these problems, the reason God allows me to go through these problems, is not for my own sake, but it's for your sake. It's so that I can learn, so I can comfort you the same way, God, comfort me. And and so he writes to them uh, in verse 1, he goes, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And the reason he says it like that, by the will of God, I am an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, is because one of the things they were saying about Paul is that, you know what, what is he talking about? What do you mean he's an apostle? What do you mean he's this? What do you mean he's that? You know, God did not establish Paul as an apostle. They were saying these things about him, so he was hurt after investing time in their life, after putting the time and putting the effort to plant the church in Corinth, they were saying this thing, so when he writes, he says, I got to make sure they understand that whether they like it or not, I am an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, not my own. And he was there writing to them with Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in, uh, it's, that is a Corinth with all the saints who are in the whole of Acacia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and then he jumps into verse 3, uh, the, uh, you know, straight into the subject he wants to talk about as he's opening the letter. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and watch what he says. He, goes, he begins by saying, The Father of mercies, and he makes a distinction, and the God of all comfort. The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. We'll come back to that in a minute. Who comforts us. In all of our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any afflictions. So Paul is telling them, you know, the reason I'm going through these afflictions, so the reasons I have gone through afflictions, my afflictions have been a training, training moment with the only purpose for me to be able to help others who are going through the same afflictions. With the comfort, with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is 
it, it, it is for your comfort and salvation. So I was afflicted specifically, not, not, not just for me, but also for your comfort and your salvation. And if we are comforted, it, it, it's, um, it is for your comfort which you experience when you passionately endured the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. What an encouraging word when Paul writes this stuff. It's an encouraging word that God provides to us in this portion of the letter to the Corinthian church. Uh, notice one thing in this letter. He writes, he wants to make sure they understand that he is an apostle, that he has the authority to write. That is because Paul knew what was going on in the Corinthian church. Um, and, and so he wants to make sure that in their sufferings, they also understand he's going to come to comfort them. But he's going to come to comfort them, not, not, not just to have a, a pity party with them. But he wants to come and comfort them so they can also learn to comfort others. So when you're going through adversities and tribulation, you are supposed to go through that. And as God comforts you, you are supposed to go comfort others. And those who get comfort are supposed to go and comfort others who are also going through adversities themselves. Adversities that they are facing in their own lives. Now, was this something new to Paul? Was it new to Paul that, you know, that, that he was suffering for the sake of the gospel? That where pe there were people talking negative about Paul was, you know, was this new? Was the suffering was suffering new to Paul? A lot of times we as Christians don't understand that when we become Christians, we come to the Lord, and it's you know we don't just get the hamburger or the fries; we get the whole combo. And you know, part of that combo is that as you experience the blessings of being saved. It's not just the blessings of being saved, but Paul constantly tells different letters in, to the different churches. He tells them that with the blessings of being saved, you also have received part of the combo is the sufferings. So the salvation is the benefits, but a lot of times we have to understand that those benefits come also with the sufferings. And we ought to suffer uh, for Christ a lot of times uh, while we, either we go with him or he comes for us. So it wasn't new to Paul to suffer. So Paul wasn't just talking about something he didn't understand. And he says in verse 8, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the afflictions we experience in Asia. So he's telling them, you know what, if I'm talking to you for, about comfort, I'm not talking to you about something I don't understand. I'm talking to you about something that I've been going through that has been hard for me. And, and I, want you to, I don't want you to be unaware of the affliction that I have been going through. For we were so utterly burned beyond our strength that we despair of life itself. They thought, he thought he was going to die. His, him and his team, they thought they were going to die. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not only on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. You know, this is a beautiful part on this text. Because when you're going through adversity, the tendency that we have, is to try to rely on ourselves. 
We rely on ourselves so much. But if you're going through adversity, and you rely on yourself, you're in for a big surprise in your life. We're supposed to rely on God. And if, you know, if we really trust God, then we should stay calm through the adversity. Because if we stay calm, that means we understand who has control. Remember what Paul says in verse 3 when he says, God, here is the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. In the adversity, that God of comfort will comfort you. So you're supposed to stay still and know that I am God. But a lot of times when we're going through adversity, we rely so much on ourselves that that's when we make the worst mistakes. When we try to fight ourselves for ourselves. No, God will fight the fight for you. And so he says, you know, he, he allowed this adversity and every adversity that I have gone through, he allowed that so we cannot rely on ourselves but on God that raises the dead. So we were about to die. But even if we die, if God still has a purpose for me, he will raise me from the dead. Can you imagine? I mean, that is a huge thing Paul is saying right here. What do you learn from that? You know, that when you're going through adversity, if God still has a purpose for you, God will work to the point to put you in whatever He wants to make you do for Him. So you rely on God and not on ourselves. He delivers us from such a deadly peril. And He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope. That he will deliver us again. Paul, Paul has an amazing heart and an understanding of adversities here. Paul is the writer of this letter. He knew exactly what he was talking about. Paul had experienced adversities, tribulations far more than many of us. You know, I should say probably from all of us. Paul's life was, not, was in no way a life of comfort. A lot of times we have false doctrines that are teaching that if you're a Christian, you should have a life of comfort. If you're a Christian, you should have no problems. If you're a Christian, you should have no suffering. Because suffering is a result of sin. And people believe that lie. People believe that lie. That is not true. That's not what the Bible says. Jesus himself said, you know, if I have gone through all this that I have gone through, you will also go through it. If the world has rejected me, the world will reject you. So Paul's life was in no way a life of comfort. He was constantly in the midst of adversity. That's why again in verse 6 he says, We were afflicted. And the reason we were afflicted, it is for your comfort. Uh, hold on, hold on, Lord. You're afflicting me for somebody else's comfort? Yes. Hold on, Lord. You are letting me go through this suffering so I can help others? Yes. Well, that doesn't seem fair. Well, God's not asking for our opinion. He's saying, this is the reason why I allow these things in your life. Take it or leave it. It's simple. It's very simple. But a lot of times, our focus is so much in us that we don't want to 
understand what God is doing. We are comforted. It's for your comfort. Which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. That is in verse 6. Um, so we suffer basically to be with you, to help you out. And, and, and we often read, uh, you know, we often read in his writings in the New Testament that he was often persecuted. We, you know, in verse 9 it says, uh, of the text that we just read, it says, In fact, within ourselves we already had the death sentence. I mean, this is not a new thing for Paul. You know, when he was put on a boat to, go to, to, to be taken to Rome and he almost died. And then when he almost died, remember, remember what happened? So he almost died for the sake of Christ. He could, he could escape and he says, no, I'm not going to escape. And then he went on, he got to shore after the, the, the boat sank, the ship sank. And he got to shore and when he got to shore, what happened? He's putting, he's putting wood in the fire and what happened? A snake jumps him and gets him, right? And nothing happened to Paul. And nothing happened because God was in control. God of comfort. God of Father of mercies. So, it's interesting here that in verse, all the way from verse 3 to verse 7, in only five verses, you know how many times the word comfort, it's, it's there? It's ten times in five verses. In five verses, the word comfort is written ten times. So we get the point. Paul, I know, I get the point. You want me to comfort. Why? Because there is seven times in five verses, it's also the word affliction. It's also the word affliction or suffering. So affliction or suffering seven times, comfort ten times in only five verses. That means God wants you to focus more on, not on your sufferings, but on your comforting other people who are going through the sufferings. In other words, God is telling you, do not be selfish. Be selfless and look to serve and help others while you're going through your own afflictions. You are supposed to be comforting people. We live in a world that is very selfish. We live in a world that is so focused in ourselves. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's not a surprise to see that as you look into the generations and, and the changes in generations. It, it is not surprised that we're going through a generation right now. You know, the younger generation, well, it's, it's called the generation, the crystal generation. You know, it breaks with anything. You know, so when they're going through suffering, how are they going to comfort others if they don't strengthen their lives in God? But a lot of times we just talk about those, the younger generation. No, sometimes we do the same. It doesn't matter. Because it takes maturity in Christ to comfort others and to forget about ourselves. It takes maturity. And, And let me tell you one thing. By the way, maturity doesn't come by how many years you have been a Christian. Maturity comes as you make the right decisions and you walk with God. You experience things. Your experience grow. And the way you respond to adversities will show where you are with God. So there are four things in this text. In this passage, there are four things that stand out in this passage that I, that I like for us to look at um, this morning, uh, and one of them, one of those things, um, uh, you know, as Paul experienced adversities, sufferings, 
the same comfort that Paul experienced in the midst of these adversities. There are four things we can learn from this. And the first one is, Paul begins by blessing God despite of the adversity in his life. Paul begins by blessing God. You know, blessed be the Lord. Blessed be the God. And I want you to pay attention to this part right here, because I, I do want to talk a little bit about this verse. Um, notice that he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to see these two things. He, 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 he divides this. And he says, God of what? God of what? God of mercies and... You guys didn't come like... Uh, did you guys eat breakfast today? Donuts? He says, God of what? God of mercy. I mean, Father of mercy. Yeah, Father of mercy. Let's see where we are. Yeah, Father of mercies and God of what? Comfort. Father of mercies, God of comfort. So, the, the reason I believe Paul does this, and when I look at the original Greek into it, I, I can understand what I'm going to share with you. He says, the reason that you become a child of God is because God has had mercy on you. So when we ask God for forgiveness, when He applies that forgiveness to our lives, it's called mercy. If you're not guilty, there's no need for mercy. But when we ask God for mercy, it's because we are guilty. And the Bible says we are guilty uh, you know, from our, you know, because of our sins. So he says, God, God, you are the Father of mercy. So because of mercy, you have become my Father. But at the same time, God is, uh, you know, God is inspiring the Apostle Paul to make sure that he doesn't, he, that you as a believer understand that he's not just your Father because he had mercy on you, but he's also the God who is going to give you comfort. When as a believer, you go through different trials in life. So he says, here is the Father. He becomes your Father because of mercy. But you are going to go through trials. You are going to go through troubles. God knows that. Troubles don't take God by surprise. It takes us by surprise. Do you think God didn't know you were going to go through the trials you're going through right now? So why is He allowing that? He wants to transform something in your life. That's what the Scripture says, not me. Either take it or leave it. It's up to you. But He says that the Father of mercies, so as He become our Father, He becomes the God who wants to give us comfort because He knows we are going to go through these adversities in life. So that's a beautiful thing when we are able to understand that. And I want you to notice that he says, Blessed be the God. Blessed be God. You know how many times this expression appears in the New Testament? In the New Testament, this, this, this expression only appears three times. It, it, the, the first one is in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, where Paul says, Blessed, bless God. For what he has done in the past. And basically what Paul says, Blessed be God, blessed be the Lord, for he, you know, he chose you before the foundation of the world. And the second time is, is right here in Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, 
where he, Paul blesses God for what's doing in the present time. So in Ephesians 1.3, he says, Blessed be God for what He's done in the past. In, first, in 2 Corinthians 1.3, he says, Bless, Blessed be the Lord for what He's doing in the present, comforting me. So in the past He chose me, in the present He's comforting me. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, He also says, Blessed be the Lord for what He will do in the future as you receive your inheritance in heaven. What's interesting is, all these all this chapters is chapter 1, verse 3. And He's saying, you know, bless God for what's in the past. Bless God for His comfortness, uh, for He comforting you in the, in the present. And bless be God who will give you your inheritance in the future. So all over the place, we are supposed to be blessing the name of the Lord, no matter what we're going through in our own life. It is important that in the midst of adversity, we bless the Lord. And we remember, we just, not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago, we went through the, through the book of Job, and we saw what Job was going through. He was going through such a horrible time. But what, what really, really shocks me is that I cannot believe, I cannot believe the way he responded at the end of this uh, chapter 1 and 2. When, when he told his wife, you know what, should we accept the good from God and should we, should we not accept adversity from God? And at all this, Job did not, Job did not sing against God. And in, in chapter 1, verse 20 and 22, uh, verse 20, 21 and 22, he says, Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head, um, shaved his head and he fell to the ground and worshipped. So when we're going through adversity, number one, we are called to worship. We are supposed to worship. Humble yourself before God and God will do. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb. I came with nothing and I'm living with nothing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So, when we are going through adversity, Paul is teaching the Corinthian church right here, the first thing that you need to do is to bless the name of the Lord, knowing that He is the Father because He had mercy on you, and He is the God who will give you comfort and who has control over all things that you will be going through in life. Blessed be God, the God, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. Number two, Paul wants them to know that God's comfort will be there for all of our adversities. It's not just for some of them. Now, one of the things is, you can choose to reject God's comfort if you just become negative about it and don't want to accept what the Word of God says. It's up to you. Again, take it or leave it. He says in verse 4, who comforts us in all of our afflictions. In all of them. Uh, you know, according to James chapter 1 verse 1, the afflictions, the tribulations are many and always diverse. As a matter of fact, when James says in James uh, chapter 1, uh, my brethren counted all joy... Verse 2, James chapter 1, verse 2, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. It's interesting that the word various there is the word poikilos in the Greek. And the word poikilos in the Greek is a word that is, it means multicolor, several colors. 
And he's referring to a carpet. A carpet. What is a carpet good for? A carpet is good for you to step on it. Right? Do you enjoy when people step on you? But those are part of the adversities. A lot of times, a lot of times you're going to feel like that. Even if people are not doing that, you're going to feel like that. And in all those adversities, God is going to be there to comfort you. Guess why? God is going to be there to comfort you so you can comfort others. So you can comfort others. The comfort God gives to a mother. And, and, and God comforts in different, different situations, different ways. The comfort God gives to a mother who lost her child. It's not the same comfort God gives to someone who uh, lost their home. It's not the same. The comfort is different because the tribulation is different. God gives us the comfort necessary for the tribulation or the problem that we are going through at that moment. God, God's comfort is special and propitious to the occasion. It is not a general consolation. God comes into our lives to provide at that moment the comfort that we need at that moment. And, and comfort is different for each person, for each uh, different tribulation. Uh, like I said, lo the loss of a child, the uh, problems at work, health problems, family problems, emotional problems. Each one is different and different consolation. But in each one of those, as different as, as different as they are, God is there to comfort all of us in all of our tribulation. Now, the, the, the question is, do you accept that comfort? Do you accept that God comes and comforts you? Do, do you listen to God when He's trying to comfort you? The, the main thing here is that the God of comforting, the God of comfort, that he, comfort, uh, he comforts us. God of comfort. Uh, the, the word comfort there in Second Corinthians is the word paraklesio. And the word paraklesio is the same word that is used. Does anybody of those Bible, you know, Bible smart people? What does the word paracleto, paracleto, paraklesio means? It talks, it refers about who? The Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit supposed to do in our lives? Help us, comfort us, take us by the hand when we can no more. We have to rely on who? On ourselves? No, we have to rely on the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus says, I am leaving, but I'm leaving you somebody who's going to give you comfort. It's the Holy Spirit. So the interesting thing is that that's the same word that is used for people who are supposed to give comfort to others. You are supposed to be the paracleseo, not paracleto. Paracleto is referring to the Holy Spirit. Paracleseo implies coming and being next to another. Relieving the pain of another person in the midst of their pain. We are supposed to come and implies coming next to that person to strengthen them in a positive way about what God is doing in the life of a person. So that they can get stronger while facing that difficulty that they're going through. So God is the one that is coming next to us. He's giving us the comfort. He's giving us the paracleseo. 
during the adversity, bringing relief to our pain. He is the one to, uh, you know, to forgive your sins when you have sinned. And, are, and He's the one who's able to restore you when I or someone else has harmed me, has harmed you. God is the one who comes and strengthens the weak, who brings joy to the soul, who is depressed. God is the one who makes me feel company when I feel alone. God is the one who gives me hope when I'm discouraged. He is the one who comes next to me and gives me that support that we need. That is the God of comfort. And in verse 4, it says, Who comforts us in all of our tribulation. He comes next to you to give you the comfort that you need. God, God's consolation is personal. It's personal. It's particularly um, so, so we can um, so we can say you know what we we feel we feel okay with all the uncertainty and everything. We're okay because we know God is comforting us. God is with us. He is the one who is leading me through this uh, through the valley of the shadow of death. Number three, Paul wants them to know that God's purpose in comforting them. Uh, it's, it's what it says right there in the second part of verse 3. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. So remember, they're going through the affliction with the comfort. So you're supposed to come alongside of them to comfort them, to help them. And those people who get comfort and get help are supposed to go and help others. It's training time. It's boot camp time. You've got to go boot camp so you can learn, so you can get stronger, so you can help other people with which you have been comforted by God when you go through that stuff. It is not for us to be the victims. But it is for us, it's not for us to feel sorry. It's for us to experience the victory in Christ. So that we might be able to comfort others, those who are in any way or any affliction. Now, the other side of the word comfort, it's the word that is used here for affliction. Remember, comfort is used ten times. Affliction is used seven times. So comfort, you come next to that person. You come next to a person. You help a person. You grab a person by the hand and you say, no, we're going to walk together this road. And we're going to be together. We're going to pray together. We're going we're to ask the Lord to strengthen your life together so you can also do the same next time with another person. But the other side is the word affliction. And the word affliction is the word dyslipsis. And the word dyslipsis is, is interesting because it, it's referring, uh, it refers to something that is narrow. It's so narrow that it pressures you. It pressures you. You're, you're against the wall. It, it gives you the idea that you're against the wall. You're being confined. It is like being under a lot of pressure. Uh, the best way to illustrate this is when a load, when you're carrying a big load on you, so you're going through adversity, you're carrying a big load. Somebody is supposed to be the one who comforts you. Is supposed to come alongside of you to help you carry that load. But as you carry that load, the word slipses. It's a word that is talking about that the load is so heavy that you can no more, by yourself you can no more, you're going to collapse. And so because you're going to collapse, the Bible says somebody is supposed to comfort you. In other words, paracleseo, somebody is supposed to come next to you to help you so you don't end up collapsing. How many times have you been at that point in your life? Where you're about to collapse. 
If God allows you to walk that road, God has a purpose for you. God wants to transform something in your life. But if you walk in that road and you're learning from it, you are supposed to then be the one who comes and helps that next person who is about to collapse to. That's what the Apostle Paul is trying to teach these believers in Corinth right here. That's what he's trying to teach them. If we, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort. So yeah, God chose to afflict me in my life so I can comfort you. And not just for your comfort, he says, it's for your salvation, verse 6. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort. Number four, who and what does God use to comfort us? We know God uses His Word. There is power to comfort us, to encourage us in the Word of God. It is the Word of God that helps us to understand that He has forgiven us when we fail. It is the Word of God that helps us to understand that we can be reconciled. And it's the Word of God that He uses. The Holy Spirit uses the Word. And the Holy Spirit, it's the one helper right there next to us. And prayer, when we're praying, and sometimes we don't even know how to pray. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is your translator. So when you come and pray and you don't know what to say, the Bible says the Holy Spirit translates that message to God, to the Father. God comforts us through other people too. A lot of times, other people, God puts other people on your path so you can be comforted. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 6 and 7, it says, But God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you. So notice that even in, in, in chapter 7 he says, Titus came and gave me comfort. Titus came and gave me comfort. But the reason Titus came and gave me comfort is because somebody else had comfort him. So it sounds like a popular saying that it says pay forward. Can you imagine if we Christians will focus on that? A, a lot of times... My dear people, we focus in the wrong thing and we don't get what God is trying to do in our lives. Sometimes our focus is so much in our own pain that we miss the point of what God wants to do. God of consolation, and His consolation comes a lot of times through others. We're not an island. We're not an island. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Amazing. I love what Paul was teaching these people right here. So I want to finish by asking you a question. Are you comforting others? I'm not asking you. I'm not asking you if you've been comforted. Because God promised He will do that. If I ask you, hey, has somebody come for you? And I'm just helping you to be selfish. I'm asking you, have you come for others? 
when you take when you take the focus from yourself you are going to put in practice what Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 and 4 says that we're not supposed to look for our own interest but for the interest of others can you imagine if you put that in practice in your homes and you're always looking for the interest of others in your house and you're serving one another in your home and you're serving one another in the church then you will be your focus is going to be outward not inward then we are not going to run the risk of being selfish when we're going through any type of adversity are you comforting others or are you waiting for others to comfort you the best thing to do in life as you experience adversities is to serve others stay serving others in your heart and with your actions and you'll see how that is completely going to change your way of seeing life our father in heaven we thank you so much for understanding what the apostle Paul was teaching the Corinthian church as he was encouraging them to know that they as they were going through adversity it was a training time for them to learn and mature how to be a comfort to others Lord as the Corinthian church learned we also want to ask you Father to help us learn and understand your purpose and your will in our lives Lord help us not to miss what you're trying to do and help us to understand how you're comforting us so we can comfort others help us to understand that it's not about us it's about you it's not about us it's about others I am we are just tools in your hands help us to be used in the process that we try to comfort others in Jesus name we pray Amen